Really hope you do enjoy today's podcast with the legend that is Jerry O'Brien. Jerry works on the biggest brands in the world in marketing and spent the last 10 years as founder of What Big Brands Know, just helping organizations and speaking around the world to help us understand what it is we need to do to maximize our influence as a business. How do you stand out? Yeah, what, is, what, what do you need to ask yourself? What are the four questions we need to know the answer for? for? Uh, that'll help us maximize our influence to help us stand out and create a lot of inbound interest in what we're doing. Really enjoyed it. He's a great guy. I uh, hope you enjoy it too. A wonderful, warm welcome to Jerry O'Brien calling over from stateside. Good, uh, good afternoon, Jerry. How are you? Hello. Nice to nice to be here. Uh, absolutely fantastic to have you on board. I heard about you from my brother, who heard you speak. Um, you spent ten years uh, educating people on what big brands know and traveling the world and helping businesses. So, where did that where did that all start from, and how do you get to this place? Oh, I, I remember you know a bunch of early two thousands. I had left my first job ever in marketing at Procter & Gamble, and I moved to Colorado in the States to become the brand manager of Coors Light, you know, a brand that you guys have over there. And a couple of weeks after I got to Coors, uh, there's a big marketing department offsite. We're all going to a hotel out of the office building. It's about 10 minutes away, and we're going to talk about marketing strategy for the whole day. I'm walking out of the office building next to the chief marketing officer of Coors Brewing Company. I'm walking out. He turns to me, he says, hey, Jerry, why don't you ride over there with me? And I'm thinking, yeah, good opportunity to get to know the chief marketing officer of Coors Brewing Company. Now, this is my boss's, 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 boss, head of the whole marketing department, $4 billion company. And I'm thinking, oh, this is great. So we're walking out to his car. It's a big, brand new, super sleek Mercedes Benz. And I'm thinking, ooh, successful. And then I'm thinking, oh man, I got 10 minutes with the chief marketing officer. I better ask him something really smart. So I look smart. So I sit down in the car and I'm ticking through the questions in my mind. What should I ask? What should I ask? I'm thinking, what's the most important marketing question of all? And he pulls out and I turn to him and I say, Lee, you know, why is it that a consumer chooses to buy one beer versus another beer? And I'm thinking he's about to give me a 10 minute lesson on how people choose and how we as marketers influence people to choose our products versus someone else's. Instead, he turns to me and he says, well, geez, Jerry, if I knew the answer to that question, we'd all be rich. And I'm thinking, well, you appear to be rich and you're the head of marketing for a $4 billion beer company and you don't know the answer? To how we influence people to buy this versus that. I'm thinking, whoa. I spent the rest of my career learning, creating, honing a framework of influence that now, as you mentioned, I've spent the last decade teaching to CEOs, executives, teams, sales teams about how to influence people to buy from you versus them. It doesn't matter if it's manufacturing, B2B, B2C, professional services like attorneys, doctors, dentists, anything in between, how to influence people to buy this versus that. So that's how it all got started. I sat there and went, there's got to be a better answer to this question. I've spent the rest of my career figuring out the answer. And you, you, you've got the answer now. 
Uh, I do, and, it, and it's a four-part, four-question framework where when companies, and it's interesting, right? They're, the first three questions, you go, yep, 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 and you get to the fourth question and people are, I got CEOs all over the world that go, oh, we're not doing that. Okay, okay, and then that's when the light bulb goes on. That's when change starts to happen in the organization and the sales team, in the approach with the marketing conversations. It drives innovation, new ideas, new ways to approach uh, customers and customer relationships. So, you know, the four question framework, the culmination, the reason people bring me in is question number four. That's the thing I'm known for. Brilliant, brilliant. And you, you, uh, you able to walk us through the four? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so question number one. Now, this seems obvious to people a lot of times, but it's not really. It's who are your ideal customers? So many times in business, we say, oh, well, you know, I could serve anyone. We can serve all sorts of kinds of customers, but the problem with that is that we, if we don't get specific enough, we, and we're too general, we don't become experts in any type of customer, any type of thing, and people don't know who to refer us to. Mm -hmm. So I'll give you an example. So uh, picture yourself, you walk into a party and you walk in the party and you meet somebody and you say, what do you do? And they say, oh, I'm a financial advisor, right? I'm a, what do you guys, a money manager? What do, you, what do you guys call them over there? Financial advisors or? Yeah, we, yeah, we have a financial advisor, yeah. Yeah, yeah, so, okay. So financial advisor. And, the, and I say, what do you want to do? And the first thing every audience says is, I want to run away because the next thing that they're going to do is say, hey, we should get coffee, you know, tea. We should like, you know. And so um, now I want you to hear this and listen to this. I, I've worked with a, a lot of financial advisors and there's one of them here in Denver, Colorado that says, something different. Go to a party, says, what do you do? He says, oh, I'm a financial advisor, but I only work with a very specific kind of client. Now your brain is going, well, what kind of client? Instead of wanting to run away, you're leaning in to learn more because of specificity. Now, in his case, there's a lot of good answers to this question. In his case, he only works with self-made millionaires. They have a very unique situation, a very specific thing. He works with a small number of them. He's done it for a long period of time. He knows how to help them transition through this period in their life. And this is what he specializes in. Now you're thinking either I am one or I know someone who is one, right? My aunt just sold her company. She needs to talk to somebody like you who really knows her situation. Specificity generates more referrals. Specificity helps your business become more efficient, stronger. If the only kind of, and it doesn't really matter if it's self-made millionaires. I have a, a friend who's just starting a financial advisory specifically for teachers with young children. Yeah. Because if think about the insights for teachers with young children, they want their kids to go to college. Teachers are very educated, but also don't make that much money. So he has a path for them to make sure their kids can go to college. And who do they refer to him? All the other teachers, right? Specificity matters. So narrowing your focus. Now, this isn't to say you can't serve five different customer types. Most of my clients serve many different customer types, but the key is to make each of those customers feel like you specialize in some way in what is important to them. Because the more you clear you are about who you serve, the more clear they are that you're the perfect choice for them. You become a safer choice and they know who to refer you to. So question one, 
Yeah, no, it makes a lot of sense. Our, yeah. We have a, our, our membership of recruiters. They're, they're all aiming and aspiring to be specialists and experts. So I think I love that. Yeah, that's good. Your spot. And especially in really crowded industries, this becomes really yeah. important. And, and one of the things about this framework, and I love what you're, what you're saying, Gordon, is that when people hear the framework, they immediately go in their brain, well, what about my business? Am I doing that? Like, how am I doing like, and they start to evaluate themselves and say, how can I get better on question one, on question two, on question three. So question two, now let's say we've narrowed our focus and we know exactly who we're trying to serve. Question two is, let me get a little better picture for you guys here. Question two is, what are your insights about them? What do they want more of or less of? What do they, even more powerfully, what do they hope for? And what do they fear? What do they hope will happen if they work with you, if they give you the contract? What do they fear will happen if they work with you or they give you the contract? Said even another way, what do they fear will happen if they give the contract to your competitor and not to you, right? Now, uh, what brain science shows us is that people are about twice as motivated to avoid what they don't want as they are to get what they do. So what is it that your clients are trying to avoid? You know, and, and so many times in, in business and professional services, People want to make the safe choice mm. because what happens is they need to justify it to someone else. They need to justify it to their boss or to their, you know, oh, well, we went with so-and-so because, well, you know, we've always used them before. They might not even be that good, but at least it's a choice that people are familiar with. Right? So, yeah. So what are the insights? What do your customers, your clients want more of, less of? Remember the example about the financial advisor who is going to only work with teachers, uh, with young kids. Well, what are the insights about teachers with young kids? We right on this call right now could come up with 20 insights. Insights are they don't make a lot of money. Insights are they um, definitely want their kids to go to college. Insights are they got a lot of expenses right now. Insights are they think like in the US, we have this thing called the 529 plan, which is like supposed to help your kids go to college, right? But turns out it's not the only strategy. Insights are they're not financial experts. They're experts at being a teacher. Mm -hmm. They need someone who's a guide who can show them things that they don't even know exist. And, and we can come up with more and more and more insights about what they want more of. I want certainty my kid will go to college. My fear is I fear we're not gonna have enough. I fear I'm behind. I fear, can I retire and put my kids through college or do I have to choose one or the other? My fear, and we can come up, you can see how this works. And so you can do it with your clients as well. What do they hope for? What do they fear? What's the real problem that they're trying to solve? Many times the problem that they're trying to solve is not exactly the same as the service that you deliver. What's really going on in their mind? Is the problem that they're trying to solve a, a, a person in the position? Is the problem a business problem that the person solves? Mm -hmm. Is the problem, what is the actual problem? And it might vary from client to client, from situation to situation. So question two, insights, understanding. 
And one of the mistakes most companies make is that they don't spend nearly enough time gathering and learning and listening and, and digging into the insights part of it. This is one of the things that big billion dollar brands like at Procter & Gamble or Coors, that, that's one of the things we do very, very well is listen, 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 creating a listening, learning organization. So you, cause everything is driven from insights, the mindset of the person or the team that you're trying to influence. And both those, both steps one and two, actually, both of them refer to this thing about expertise, don't they? So if you've got mm -hmm. the insights and your first one about being specific makes you more of an expert, yeah. Oh yeah, well, and to your point, that's exactly right. The more narrowly you focus, the easier it is to come up with insights. Let's just say that I wanna be a financial planner and most financial advisory companies just say, call everyone you know. That's a terrible idea. Everyone you know is going to hate you, right? They say, call everyone you know, and your insights are, what are your insights if you're a financial advisor? What do your customers want? If you don't narrow your focus, they, well, they want to make more money. I guess that's about it, right? Now, if we narrow to only teachers with young kids, we come up with 30 insights off the top of our head. So the more narrowly you focus, the easier it is to understand the mindset of the person. If you are too general, you can't get anything useful to then create something specific for their particular needs. So that's a really good point. Specificity fits right in with generating deeper and richer and more valuable, more powerful insights. Yeah. So question number three, what's your outcome? So many times in business, we want to talk about ourselves Oh, let me tell you about us. Let me tell you about what we do. Let me tell you about what makes us special. And what your clients and your customers actually care about is not you. It's them. They care about themselves. What are you going to do for me? What's in it for me? Now, if you follow any of the gurus out there and the YouTube videos and the, you know, a lot of people have followed this idea from Simon Sinek of everyone's got to find their why. Why we do what we do. It's the foundation of everything. Well, here's the reality. If you're lucky, maybe your customers might care why you do what you do. They might care why you became a recruiter, but what they really give you the money for is what you do for them. The outcome, the promise that you make to them. Your why is a great inspirational thing for bringing people into your organization and giving you inspiration and alignment behind why you are in this business. Your customers don't give you the money because of why you do it. They give you the money because of what you do for them, the outcome. The outcome is why people give you the money. And then, but, but here's the thing. If you only say the outcome, the promise, if you only make a promise, and you don't follow it up with some proof that you can deliver the promise, it ends up sounding like marketing fluff. Let me give you a really simple example. So I'm Jerry, I'm gonna open up a pizza restaurant and here's my marketing. I want, I, wanna, I want your ears to hear this. I want your gut, your subconscious to hear my marketing and feel if it sounds compelling to you. All right, I'm Jerry, I'm opening up a pizza place and my marketing says this, hey, come on into Jerry's Pizza. Our pizza's better, <laughs> right? 
And we say those things on our websites and our videos and our one-on-one. Oh, why would you go to your restaurant? Oh, because our burger's better. What, what? And your brain goes, really? But what makes it better? It, your brain. So for hundreds of years, economists have been trying to convince us that all decisions are rational, logical decisions. You know, prices go up, demand goes down. Prices go down, demand goes up. That, that It's logical. But we know that that's not the only way that our brain makes decisions. We have this emotional side as well. Brains are partly rational, partly emotional. For 120 years, marketers have been trying to convince us that the decisions we make are emotional decisions. Have you ever seen a like a TV commercial that's really funny or really sad? You're like, oh, that ad was so funny. And then someone says, what was it for? And you're like, well, I don't remember, but it was so funny. No, that doesn't sell anything either. Emotion, for the sake of emotion, also doesn't sell anything. Now, the 2002 Nobel Prize winner in economics was not an economist. He was a psychologist who unraveled how our brains actually put together these decisions. And what he showed is that we do make emotional decisions, but our brain, our subconscious wants to justify them with rational, logical proof that it is a good call. The way I like to put it is your brain, your subconscious wants to put it together with rational proof that it's a good call such that they could convince somebody else. How often in our business do we sell to someone who then needs to convince someone else that it's a good call? How often do we need to sell something? We sell to one, let's say, spouse in a marriage, and that spouse needs to go convince their their spouse or their father-in-law or, heck, their neighbor. Hey, oh, yeah, I got a great deal on this because people are looking for that logical, rational piece of proof. And if we don't give it, then it sounds like fluff. Oh, our pizza's better. And your brain is going, because? Your, your pizza is better because? Your brain is looking. Now, if we just say things on our website or in our sales conversations, this is, we have higher quality. We build better relationships. You can trust us, right? Saying things like you can trust us makes me not trust you, right? <laughs> Until you give me some rational, logical proof. So question four, the question that brings everything home is what's your because? We have higher quality because now the what you say next is what either makes or breaks the sale. And so your because is the rational, logical proof that you can deliver the promise, the outcome. So your because is all about you, what you do, what you say that is different from what everyone else says. Now, let me give you a case study that goes all the way through that uh, everyone can relate to. Think about the last time you went to buy a car at the, at the car dealership. And I ask my audiences all the time, I said, what, what do you like or not like about buying a car? And they always say the same three things. Well, I don't like the fact that I have to negotiate the price. I gotta negotiate on the price. And I'm like, yeah, we don't like to negotiate 
And I say, well, how long does it take to buy a car? And people say, well, it takes like four hours. It takes like half the day. One day there's a woman in my audience. She said, it takes like two days to buy a car. And everyone else in the audience said, two, two days? Why does it take two days to buy a car? And she said, because I got to negotiate and I got to walk out and I got to say, I'm not paying that much. And then I got to come back the next day and buy the car. So they know I'm serious. <laughs> so it takes a long time to buy a car. And then when you st start to negotiate, what do they do? And I, I've talked to a bunch of people ar around the world in different places, and this seems to happen even in other countries other than the US. They say, well, the salesperson then has to go talk to someone else. They go talk to the manager and talk to somebody else. And can we give her or him a good deal? Or how can we get this price? There's an auto dealer in Denver, Colorado. It's called Champ BMW. And they make a promise and they give you a because. And here's what theirs is. They Now think, think about what they did. They listen to the insights. The insights are, it takes forever. I don't like negotiation. And I don't like having to talk to three or four or five people during the process. Sharp about a decade ago said, well, here's what we're going to do. And if you go to their website today, it says, because you can buy the car for one price in one hour from one person. Now, that seems obvious, but not very many car dealerships do it. And this teaches us another thing that's really important about your because. If you can do something, create something, innovate something in your piece of proof, your because, that other people who are your competitors are either unwilling or unable to do, that's a really powerful, innovative because. What could you say, we are the only, we are the only who does this. Now that thing has gotta be something that's valuable to your customers. Now, Champ isn't the only one that does it, but almost no other car dealership will do it. And the reason why they won't is because the first day you move to a one price, one person, one hour model, your gross margins shrink a lot. So you got to make it back up on bringing in new customers on volume and dealers are afraid to do it because they're going to uh, disrupt their business in the short term. So it's what can you create as a piece of proof? So look at when you go to their website, it's because one price, because one person, because one hour. And what happens is it becomes a very believable. Your brain goes, oh, well, I want to do business with somebody like that. I trust them more. They don't even have to say trust mm. because we trust them more. And it not only does it become more believable, it becomes more repeatable. And this is how we get referrals. Oh, you got to go to shop because one price, because one person, because one hour. We've finished the sentence of influence for your brain. Instead of just saying, we have a better deal, we have a better deal because everyone gets the same price. It's funny. So I asked the ownership group at Chomp. I said, how much of you? They are now the largest BMW dealer west of the Mississippi in the United States. They're huge. And they've started to buy up other dealerships. They've got a Honda dealership and they've got other brands using the same mm. strategy. And I asked them, I said, how much of your success is because of one price, one person, one hour? And they looked at me and they said, well, all of it. One innovative technique that is hard to do. It's not easy. 
But if you can get it right, your business will grow. So who are your ideal customers? Who are you really focused on? How do you specialize in a niche segment? What are your insights about those people? What problems are they trying to solve? What are their frustrations with you or with your competitors? What's the outcome you're going to promise? What commitment are you going to make to them? And then what's your because? What's your proof? How often have you been successful? What is your particular unique expertise? You know, what, what are the, the, the things that you do that are differently from what other people do that makes them believe that you are actually going to deliver what you say versus other people where it sounds like marketing fluff? So that's the framework of influence, Gordon. Absolutely love it. And just one thing on the because that is that is that is the rational hook that people are going to um, justify the emotion. Is that right? Yeah. Yes. Yes. Now, now, sometimes people will say, Gordon, they'll say, oh, because we have higher quality. Nope. No, the because has to be a piece of proof that you have the higher quality, that you that you're doing something different. Oh, we have higher quality. That's because we spend a third more on our raw materials than our competitors, blah, blah, blah. Or we have a this or that. What is the actual proof of the outcome that you're trying to convince me of, right? We can place people faster than anyone. That's because our database of XYZ is twice the size of our next largest competitor. Whoa, that does sound fast. Wow, I'm definitely going to go with you, right? What are, what are the unique points of difference of how, the process of how you do business, your background expertise, a guarantee that you're going to make. It could be video testimonials from past clients that look a lot like me. It could, there's all sorts of those pieces of proof that as you build them in, I go, yep, convinced, convinced, convinced. And your because, because is almost writing your own referral, isn't it? You know, when you, the way you described it was, was sort of, when somebody's raving about you or, or, or whoever, it's because, it's because of the because. Because they have a piece of proof, right? So I became a professional speaker 10 years ago, and I speak to a lot of audiences of CEOs and executives and sales teams. And people say, well, Jerry, why would they hire you as a speaker? Oh, because I spent a, you know, all these years working as an executive on billion-dollar brands. I worked at Procter & Gamble at Coors for a company, big billion-dollar burger company in the United States called Red Robin, right? And so people go, oh, whoa, he worked on the... And there are very few speakers who have worked on multiple billion dollar brands at the executive level. So they go, well, there's not very many people like him. And wow, he must've learned some things. He's got some big stories about working on big brands like that. It gives them a sense of trust. Mm -hmm. And then they watch a video of me doing it, talking about some of the strategies and seeing me on stage and seeing audiences laugh and be engaged and get value and write things down. And they go, whoa, I believe it. Hire that guy. Right. Yeah. It's the because it's the P all those little elements of proof add up to a yes to you versus them. Love it. Love it. And, and just final thing, just developing your because. Um, develop. And there's, you know, 15 ways that I've created over time to develop your because. But um, what you want to do is is look at your business. Here's the thing. There are already things that you're doing in your process or your business or your expertise that make you a better choice. What happens is a lot of times those things end up buried on the second paragraph of the about page on our website. Like the first thing says, we have higher quality. 
but the way the quality is better is buried somewhere. Put that on the front page or put your expertise or your specific differentiation or your success or track record or testimonials from people that have worked with you or you know things that are unique about you or your background or your size of your, or the way that you use your system or the size of your database or the, look at every element of your business for those nuggets of proof and those are about you that shows what you will deliver for them because of something about you. Outcome is about them because it's about you. And it's those nuggets of proof that make me go, oh yeah, we got to go with them. Yeah. Yeah. No, there's no doubt. Yeah. It finishes that sentence of influence. Jerry, absolutely loved it. And listen, I, I was trying to get you over when I spoke to my brother and then a the lockdown happened. So let's, let's make it happen. I would love it. I'd love to come. This is a whole different experience live. And then what you can do too, is you can actually do a workshop where we roll up our sleeves. We take your ideas and I, uh, uh, on the spot, start to help people generate becauses using the framework. This, and that's that gets into the, the valuable fun part. Yeah, absolutely loved it. So listen, a massive thank you darling in from Denver, Colorado. Really appreciate it. I've been looking forward to this. So uh, my, my pleasure. We'll see you again. It'll be face to face next time. I, I like it. I like it. I'll come over your way. Have a great day. Yeah, you too. Thanks, Jerry. Appreciate it. Yep. Bye bye.